You know, we've been going through a series, and like everything, I am one of those people who just absolutely love keeping with the program. Somebody with me can say amen. Anybody program people just like things? Programmed. Come on. I do, and then sometimes the Lord just says, I need you to veer off a little bit. I got something different, and I'm like, but Lord, I'm in the middle of a series, and I like to finish my series, right? (laughs) Well, the Lord's like, well, I got something that I want to share, and uh, and so I want to talk to you today about being disappointed, about when things don't work out the way that I expected, that you expected. I want to talk to you about disappointments as we follow Jesus, disappointments. I want to talk to you about being disappointed in God. To some of us, that may sound um, almost ridiculous or heretical. How could you dare say something like that? But I, I just want to share with you that there have been many times in my life where I've been disappointed in God. Disappointed in the sense that I expected God to do certain things. Disappointed in the sense that there were times where I expected that God would want to do certain things. Times where I thought, God, it seems like you would want to do this. You should want to do this. Times where I don't understand why certain things have happened. And so uh, last uh, Friday, I got the privilege to hang out with the pregnancy center and minister there in their retreat. And the Lord just, um, before that, about three months ago, the Lord uh, began to kind of just minister to me in this, in this idea, this understanding that the journey, the Christian walk is so full of unexpected things, and there's so many disappointing things, and that a lot of times we as Christians, we don't like to talk about disappointments. We kind of try to push it to the side. The idea of thinking, man, I'm disappointed in the way God allowed things to turn out is just one of those things we don't talk about a lot. We, we kind of, some of us are so used to coming to church and saying, how are you doing, brother? Well, I'm blessed and highly favored. Everything's great. But you know, things are not so necessarily great. And uh, there are some things that the Holy Spirit would want us to unpack in order for us to be healthy, in order for us to continue to have a relationship with him and communicate with him. And today, I want to talk to you about that a little bit as we look at this text. You know, I've learned that I can go through the motions of life and ministry while my heart has ran away from God's purposes in some regard, and my heart is kind of stuck in a cave and offended at God or not understanding what's going on. We're going to look at a passage in Scripture in 1 Kings chapter 19 where Elijah ran away and hid in a cave because he kind of just had it in his mind. It's probably best if I just run away and hide in a room. Has anybody ever felt like it would be a good idea to just run away and hide in a room? Has life been so difficult to any of us that at one point we just thought, you know, if I could just be in a nice white room with a white jacket where I could just rock back and forth by myself. (laughs) There are times where it seems like, man, it would be so much better if I could just run away. You know, sometimes we go through the motions and we say things like, well, you know, I'm just going to keep doing this. But really right now, I'm wondering if I could trust God. Some of, some of us would say, you know, I'm doing the church thing and I'm bringing my family here because I know it's the best thing. But right now, I'm really struggling with him. I'm smiling and nodding and saying yes and amen, but I'm tired. It doesn't seem, I don't understand what God is doing. And I am wondering why he didn't answer this prayer. Maybe you're here and you're saying, you know, I've been on the fake it till I make it plan. And it ain't working because I'm just tired and frustrated. So today I want to talk to you about being in that cave, about being disappointed and what to do 
what to know when we're in that place of disappointment, a little bit deeper, when we're in that desert place, in that appointed time where things are just, you know, we're not feeling the Holy Spirit goosebumps, where everything's not working out just exactly like we want it to, and it seems like it's a prolonged season, not a day, right, but like a, like a prolonged season. Rebecca and I can tell you that this season in life that began in February, and it's still going, well, it's, it's been kind of tough. And as I do life and ministry with so many of you, I hear your stories and what's been going on. And, man, you're going through some very difficult things, some very difficult things. And yet in the midst of it, you know what I'm learning is that we can be right in the middle of God's perfect will and that be uncomfortable. Like, we can definitely be right in the place where God wants us to be. And in every way, it is an, unco- an uncomfortable reality. Dare I say even painful sometimes. Because there are some things that God is trying to do, things that he's trying to do in us, things that he's trying to do in the world that surrounds us, things that God is doing without running it by us first. There are times where I want to say, but God, I got a better idea how you can handle this thing. It's like the Lord would say, okay, tell me how your idea is better than mine. It's never going to happen, right? Because his ways are higher than our ways. So as we look at this scripture that we're about to read, I want to give you context before uh, we dive into, into it. Chapter 18 is one of the most powerful um, chapters in the Bible where we see a really glorious manifestation of God's power and his strength. And Elijah is a prophet of God, right? God uses him mightily. And basically God says, I want you to declare my word to the worst king of Israel, Ahab, right? God called prophet Elijah to speak his word to the worst king, King Ahab and Jezebel. That's what a cool calling. I want you to go talk to somebody who's not going to listen to you. Praise God. High five. Right? I mean, that's the calling of Jeremiah, too. I'm going to give you a word. You're going to declare it to the people, and they're not going to listen to you. But you're going to be doing exactly what I called you to do. And that's what Elijah did. And God just really mightily used Elijah. And he said to Elijah, Elijah, I want you to declare to the king that there will be a famine. And boom, just like that, there was a famine in the whole land for a long period of time. And then God said to Elijah, you know, you did my will. Now, why don't you go hide? Because they're going to try and kill you. Right? Why don't you go hide because they're going to come after you. Can you just imagine, Elijah, well, like you're the God who stops the rain and you are the Lord of hosts, almighty God. Right? But he doesn't complain. He doesn't ask questions. God just speaks my, speak my word. They didn't like my word. Run. <laughs> I want you to hide. And this is how I'm going to feed you. I'm going to, I'm going to have a raven bring you food. And I'm going to give you the water that you need daily, my provision daily, until I call you to come out of that place and speak my word again. And then again, there's another time where Elijah uh, confronts, make a long story short, confronts uh, Ahab, and he says, you know, why don't you bring your false prophets? Bring all of them, and let's stand, and let's see who the real God is. And you know the scene, as the sacrifice is laid out, and all the false prophets cry out to their God, their God doesn't answer because he doesn't live, he doesn't exist, and Elijah mocks them, and he says, well, maybe he's sleeping, cry louder, right? And then afterwards, Elijah cries out to God, a simple prayer, Lord, so that they would know that you are God consumed this sacrifice, and boom, just like that, fire from heaven came down and consumed that sacrifice. There are scenes in the Bible where I'm like, when I get to heaven, I'm like, God, can you run that back? 
Can we check that out? How did fire come down from heaven and consume that sacrifice that was soaked in water, right? Like it would be amazing to do that. But there you got another miracle. Ahab witnesses. Elijah spoke that there was going to be a famine, and we've been suffering because of a famine. Then another miracle. Elijah brought a fire before a call on God, and God consumed that sacrifice. The false prophets were killed. And then right after that, another miracle that King Ahab witnesses is that Elijah says, now there's going to be rain, so you better run. You better get on your chariot and run because it's going to rain. And while the king runs away, Elijah's able to beat him on foot while the king is in a chariot, right? Like there's several miracles there. You would think, how amazing. Now, logically, you and I would think this would lead Ahab to think, wow, his God is the real God. I should serve him. Look at all these miracles that I have experienced. It has to be that this is the real God, and I should like maybe reconsider changing my life and leading this nation in the right way. That's logical, right? And may I suggest to you that that's a li- what Elijah expected would happen? Elijah expected that God's power and God's glory being poured out in such a miraculous and such a powerful way was going to turn the hearts of the king, the heart of Jezebel, and the heart of the people completely to God. He was in this place where God showed up. He made the rain stop. He made the rain start. He made me run like Usain Bolt. He, you know, all these cool things. Fire came down from heaven, all these cool things, right? And you think, wow. This is the time where they're going to turn. But what does the Bible say? That's where we pick up. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and now he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So may the gods do to me and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. In other words, if I don't kill you, just like the false prophets were killed, may the gods take care of me. Verse 3, then he was afraid. Elijah was afraid. And he arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belonged to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die, saying, it is enough. It is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. And he lay down and slept under a broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stone and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. And he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mount of God. There he came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it. And he said, God speaking, 
Go out and stand on the mount before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said to him, Go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazael to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shephat, of Albemehalah. Oh, that's tricky. You shall anoint to be prophet in your place. And the one who escapes from the sword of Hazael shall Jehu put to death. And the one who escapes from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha put to death. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. Let's pray. Papa, thank you for your word. Would you speak your word to us? Minister to us this morning. I need to receive your word. I need to hear it. We need to hear it. We want to say yes to all that your Holy Spirit has for us. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. And amen. As we look at this portion of Scripture, you got the miraculous power of God that was demonstrated, the way that people responded, and the way that things turned out. Here's the first thing I'd like to let you know. God and people will often do what you do not expect them to do. Captain Obvious moment, okay? Write it down. Quote by Captain Obvious. God and people will often do what you do not expect them to do. Elijah had in his mind that Ahab and that Jezebel would repent. They saw the miraculous power of God. So they think after seeing the miracle, everything's going to change. But guess what? Write this down. Miracles... Miracles are God's way of getting our attention. But even when God gets, us our, gets our attention through miracles, people still have a choice to make. Right? And there could be miraculous power poured out in the same place where people's hearts are not turning to him. And where people do not respond to him. I, I've shared this story with some of you that I was at a worship service back home in Orlando, and I was in that place where I was in the zone. You know when you're worshiping, your song comes on, and you're like, oh, this is it. God's going to do something right now, right? It's my song. It's my song. Glory. Right? And as I'm, you know, I'm just worshiping the Lord, sister, little sister Naomi comes up to me and says, Carlos, 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 I got to tell you a story. I said, okay. Okay, what's going on, Naomi? I had a dream with you last night, and I saw this young man who was in the street, and he was bloody, and he was, you know, dying, and I was supposed to tell you, and you were supposed to go tell the pastor. I'm like, okay, thanks for stopping my moment to tell me your dream. And she said, well, I'm like, okay. And she goes, well, that guy is here. That guy in my dream, he's here. He's sitting back there. I'm like, okay, what do you want me to do with that? It's like, you're supposed to go tell the pastor. 
okay. I'm not going to tell the pastor. I'm just going to go back to worship the Lord, right? Because that's what I'm supposed to do, right? I'm like, I'm going to ignore this. Hopefully the emotions of the moment pass by. Naomi would realize it's just some crazy dream. And we're just worshiping the Lord. And all of a sudden my pastor back home who does not do this, in the middle of worship, grabs the mic and says, stop. Somebody here received some news that they're supposed to tell me. So we're just going to wait because I believe that God's given somebody some news that they're supposed to share with me. I'm like, are you kidding me? Is this really happening? And so, of course, I'm like, at this point, it's going to get really complicated and ugly if I don't just go up there and get it over with, right? So I go up, and I'm like, well, Pastor, Naomi had this dream with this guy who was dead on the street, and I was supposed to tell you about it. The pastor's like, okay, thank you. Carlos, go get that young man. Oh, <laughs> right, and, and I just start walking back to where that guy is, right? And it's, I mean, I get as close as I am here to, to Brother Jim right here, and he just screams out, how do you know? How did you know? I'm like, man, I don't know nothing. <laughs> I just don't want to be a part of this equation at all, right? So he comes up, and then I'm done, and then I think I'm done. Then the pastor says, Carlos, I want you to disciple him. I want you to spend time with him. Okay, it's like, okay. All right. You know, and so I start hanging out with him, start doing life with him, and he starts telling me, you know, that's not the first time that's happened to me. At this time, God spoke to me. I didn't listen, and this happened. And at this time, God spoke to me. I didn't listen, and this happened. At this time, God spoke to me. I didn't listen, and this happened. I was like, bro, you got to get it together, man. What is wrong with you? I was in my moment worshiping Jesus, and I had to stop because you were disobedient. (laughs) You know? That was my song. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But it was like, man, how often have you seen people encounter the miraculous power of God and them not respond to God's grace? Let's make it a little bit more personal. How often is God going to show his grace and mercy and kindness towards us and us not respond? To his work, his windows of opportunity saying, this is me. This is me. God and people will often do what we do not expect them to do. Elijah obeyed God. He declared a hard word to a people who did not listen. Elijah, God used to just perform some incredible miracles. And Elijah thought, now God's going to change the heart of Ahab and Jezebel. And when that didn't happen, what's the use? And he runs away, and he hides in a cave. It's important for us to make up our minds if we're going to follow Jesus. Man and woman of God, listen to me. Just read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The disciples had no idea what Jesus was doing, like ever. Like ever. They didn't even understand what he said sometimes. Jesus was like, this is what's going to happen. They're like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. It's like, it was, it's just, it's like, they don't even, even at the very end, they just didn't understand. The best thing that we can do is say this, Lord, I call you Lord. I can trust you when I don't understand. And I'm going to lean into you. I'm going to choose to run toward you instead of running away from you. Second thing that I think we need to learn in the scripture is that God is able to give us rest and nourishment in a dry place. 
Here is Elijah. He is overwhelmed. He has given up on life. The, the fear has clouded his vision, his understanding of who God is and what he's done. He's not even considering the miracles that have taken place. He's just overwhelmed, right? He's had enough, he prayed. It is enough. Let my life be taken from me. He prayed, kill me, take my life, right? And there, did you notice the way God began to approach him or God began to minister to him while he was in that dark place? Did God rebuke him? God began to say, you know, you are so wrong and you are so disrespectful. Is that what God did? Did God begin to correct his thinking? No, what did God do? Say, Elijah, why don't you take a nap? And here's a snack. Anybody with me? I mean, isn't God good? Praise the Lord. You, you want to minister to your pastor. If ever you hear him complaining, it's like, Pastor, let's go to Chick-fil-A. Okay. Let's go eat the Lord's fries. I mean, really? You got, what do you have? You got, you got Elijah who has said, I'm running away. I'm no different than the rest of the prophets. It is enough. Take my life. He's so overwhelmed by fear. He's so overwhelmed by the situation. Does God begin to try to correct them right there? No. He says, okay. He lets them rest. Then he feeds them. Then he says, why don't you sleep again? Just lets them go. And then he wakes them up and he feeds them again. He ministers to him right where he's at in his physical point of need. His immediate need. Church, we need to learn here from the way the Lord ministers. Sometimes some people will say some crazy stuff. Sometimes some people will be at a very dark place. Their judgment will be clouded. They do not understand things. It's not our time to try to correct them. That may be the time for us to take them out to lunch. That may be the time for us to just, hey, let them vent. Just say, it's okay. I hear you. I'm not offended. I'm going to love you anyways. I'm going to be here with you. You want to grab a bite? You want to you follow up on this conversation later? I'd like to hear everything that's in your heart. If God can minister this way, and he's perfect in understanding, don't you think you and I need to have a little bit more grace with the way we minister to others and talk to others? Don't you think that maybe we need to reconsider the way we approach our kids when they're throwing a tantrum? Oh, snap. You done gone there, pastor. You know? What is God saying to us about the people that he has surrounded us with so that we would minister to them? It's so important that we recognize. Sometimes, instead of trying to correct the thinking, we just got to let them know, even in your thinking, that I still love you, I'm still here, and I want to be here for you. God gave rest and nourishment in a very, very dry place. By the way, it wasn't like God fed him and said, okay, now let's deal with your thinking. God waited because Elijah wasn't ready. I'm going to make this a little bit more personal. Some of us may have some wounds, some God wounds, some things that we are too scared to unpack before God, some things that have happened in the past, some things that we just don't understand, and we know that we love God, we know that we want to serve Him, but there's some deep hurt in some place that we're afraid that if we open that box, we will turn all kinds of crazy. We're just afraid. I want you to know this. God knows about that box. 
He knows about that hurt. And he even knows that you're waiting. And he's okay. What he wants you to know is that when you're ready, he's ready. That you can trust him. Because the longer that box keeps on packed, the longer that wound is going to control you. And before you know it, that wound begin to manifest and you'll operate and do life out of that wound. And God is not just going to come and be like, you got this issue, you got this issue, you got this issue, you got this issue. Because he's not, you know what I mean? He's not going to beat you up. He doesn't want to turn you away. He doesn't work or operate in condemnation. Right? He's going to wait and just say, hey, you give me permission to have access into that place? You want us to walk through that? God is there. He's able and he's waiting. Can I share this with you? What do you see there after God, after Elijah runs away, felt expectations, God ministers to him in a very special way. Then eventually we get to the portion of Scripture where God says to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And God, or Elijah gives God his disappointment. And I want you to know this. God is able to handle your disappointment. He's able to handle that you're disappointed at him. Notice what the Scripture says, verse 9. There he came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, I, even I alone am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Let me translate what's happening there. God says, what are you doing here, Elijah? This is not where I called you to be. This is not what I called you to do. What are you doing here, Elijah? This is what Elijah says. I have allowed my life to be consumed with passion for you. You are the God of the living armies. Everything responds to your command. You're all powerful. You're omnipotent. It's who you are. But look at your people, Israel. They have broken your covenants. They have destroyed your altars. You, the God of the living armies. Why is this happening? And I, who am honoring you, declaring your word, they want to take my life. And I am alone, all by myself. Don't want to be all by myself. I'm quoting a song, Brenda. But that's really where he sat. And some would say he's at a pity party kind of a place, right? Like, I'm alone. But let me tell you something. When you're in a hard place for a long time doing what God's called you to do, when people around you don't understand it, that feels lonely. Anybody with me? Anybody been there? That feels really lonely. When God calls you out to do a work and you don't see the fruit the way that you think the fruit needs to take place and people don't understand why you're still going at it because God called you to do it and people don't hear the call that God's put in your heart, that hurts. And you're like, God, you're like powerful. You can like do something. But here's, here's the reality of the matter. Here's what I'm sensing. God was able to handle his disappointment. And I want you to understand this. God was not offended at his disappointment. Some of us think if we bring and unpack this stuff and bring it before God, that God's going to be offended. Don't you know God knows your heart anyway? He already knows your heart. We might as well come to him 
and say, let's deal with this. You know, we have to have, I say this so much, we have to have a Lieutenant Dane kind of moment. You ever seen Forrest Gump? He jumps off the boat, the lieutenant jumps off the boat, and he starts going off on God, right? He has that moment where he's just going off on God, bitter at life, and then what happens after that moment? He's like a different man. There are some things you and I need to get into that prayer place before God and say, okay, let's deal with this. I'm tired of this. And you know, you may not get the answers you want. But I want to tell you, God's able to meet you in the place of your disappointment. That's the, last, the, uh, the other thing I want to share with you. God is not only able to handle your disappointment, God is able to meet you at your place of disappointment. Listen to what God did there. As you notice the scripture uh, in uh, verse 9 on down, you notice that God met Elijah as he, as he prayed, as he declared his disappointment, and there was an earthquake, and there was wind and there was fire, right? These awesome demonstrations of God. And what does the Bible say about those powerful things? Talk to me. He wasn't in it. He wasn't in it. But God was in the whisper. What is that all about? Several things. Number one, the demonstration of God's power, demonstration of God's, you know, authority over everything. But it also means this. Do you know that all of those elements are also part of when God pours out his judgment? fire, you know, wind, earthquakes. Those are things that are related to God's judgment. But God didn't speak to Elijah in judgment. He spoke to Elijah in a whisper, a whisper that's supposed to bring stability to the chaotic anxiety that dwells in his heart. You come to God with your disappointment. You come to God with your brokenness. You may think if I go there, God's going to judge me. He's going to, because all the things that I've done wrong, he's going to go off on me. And you know what God's going to do? I, God's not going to approach you in a spirit of judgment. Because the Bible says that he blesses those who seek him. Right? He blesses those. If you seek him, you will find him. If you knock, he'll answer. If you ask, you'll receive. That's his word. He's not going to go there. He's not going to meet you in that place to judge you. He's going to meet you in that place to whisper, to bring stability, to bring peace, to bring joy. I was talking to a dear sister, loved this sister. She had a Jamaican accent. She said, oh, Brother Carlos, all the glory of God, I felt it in that place. Like, oh, snap. You know, she was like, and I was like, really? Because she was, you know, she was, just not walking with the Lord, and she was not a believer. She said, I felt the glory of God. And I said, so what you do? She goes, I ran away. I'm trying to be in all that. That thing came up on me. I said, I'm out of this church. And I said, well, why? Because I'm afraid. What do you mean why? I'm afraid of what God's going to do. And I know it sounds silly, but I think that many of us are afraid. We're afraid to unpack certain realities that we need to unpack before God. We're afraid of the way that God will respond. Can I talk to you? I've been before God with some of the deepest, darkest sins, and I know why they're the deepest, darkest sins, because they're the sins that I've committed. There's no sin greater than the sins that I've committed before my eyes. And I found that when I came before him with my deep, dark, nasty sin, a loving father who says, my blood can cleanse you, wash you, and make you new. We have a God who's able to meet us in a place of our disappointment. Now, 
Let me just say this. I want you to listen to how the Lord responds to Elijah after he twice tells God where he said, I'm alone. They're trying to kill my life. You, almighty God, have not, you've not done powerful things to get me out of the situation. This is what God says to him. Go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you, when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazael to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint to be king over Israel. And Elijah, the son of Shephat of Abel-Meholah, you shall anoint to be prophet in your place. And the one who escapes from the sword of Hazael shall Jehu put to death. And the one who escapes from the sword of Jehu shall Elijah put to death. And I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed Baal. What does that mean? What is God's response? Elijah says, God, I'm serving you with all of my passion, with all this fire in me. I've given my life to you, to the almighty God who has all power, and yet I don't understand. Your people have broken your covenants. They've destroyed your altars. They seek to take my life. I am alone. No one is doing this, you know, and just take my life, right? Like, what else do you want from me? God says, Elijah, this is what I want you to do. I need you to go back. Someone say, really? It's almost like God didn't even acknowledge everything he said or how he feels. But sometimes God brings healing as we're doing. Sometimes, you know, instead of just being alone and in a cave, we need to be active doing healthy things. And in that journey, God begins to speak and minister to us. Some of us get in that dark place and we isolate ourselves from our church. We isolate ourselves from positive people who are speaking life. Isolate ourselves from the word of God. Isolate ourselves from praying. And and that's a really dark place tough, terrible place to be. Are you with me? Sometimes we just have to kind of say, Lord, just give me the strength to do what I have to do today. I just want to engage, engage as I can, step at a time. And in that engagement, God begins to bring healing. He says, I want you to go back, do what I called you to do. This is what I want you to do. Number one, I want you to anoint the king of Syria. You know what he was saying to Elijah? Elijah, I'm in total control. Not only over Israel, but over the whole world. So you go anoint the king of Syria because I'm in control of Syria. And I can use all of that. It's all at my disposal. And by the way, you can also go and anoint Jehu. Because I know Ahab and Jezebel, they're your enemies. Tell tell you what, Jehu's my prophet. And he's going to become king. And I'm going to use him. And by the way, I want you to go anoint Elisha because he's going to take your place. And I want you to see this because I think this is really cool. Not only did God say in that process, anoint the king of Syria because I'm in control of the world. Anoint the king of Israel because I'm in control of, my, I'm in control of what's happening with my people. But I want you to go anoint Elisha, the prophet. You think you're alone. You think you're the last one standing. And you think that the prophets and my word will not remain. But everything will pass away. But my word will remain. Because this Elisha will destroy the last of my enemies. It's a really powerful reality. And then he says... And by the way, there are 7,000 who have not bowed their knees to Baal. And some would say, is that a literal number? Well, we know that biblically seven means completion. God says, everything that I need, everything, uh, I have all the power to do everything that I need, and there are people who are completely devoted to me. Would you stand with me today?
There's Elijah. Fear grips his life. He's disappointed. All kinds of failed expectations. God ministers to his immediate need. God engages Elijah in a dialogue. In the midst of that dialogue, Elijah tells God, I'm disappointed in you. I'm disappointed at how things turned out. In the process, God doesn't turn him away. God doesn't judge him, but God speaks to him tenderly. And he tells him, Elijah, I'm in control. I'm in control of every nation. I'm in control of my nation. And my prophets are doing my work. And my work will be accomplished. And, and there are people who are completely, completely devoted to me. So what do we learn from this? When all hell breaks out against you, you might be doing the right thing. When God hasn't met your expectations, remember that God can still be trusted. He still has a plan. And I want to just encourage you here. Don't focus on the fruit of your ministry and your obedience. Can I share that with you? If you focus on the fruit of your obedience, that's going to be a re- that's going to be aggravating. It's like I planted the seed, Lord. It's not growing. I'm watering it. It's just like it was yesterday. Nothing's changing. God doesn't call us to look at the fruit of our ministry. He calls us to obey. And by the way, if an usher can help me with this, sometimes it is really good news that God doesn't answer all your prayers the way that you want them to be answered. What is the one prayer Elijah prayed before God, the one request? Kill me. I love prayers like that. I love when Moses said to God, you know, God, did I give birth to these people? So why are you punishing me? Why don't you just take my life? Can we make that deal? I love prayers like that. Oh, I'm normal. Glory to God, I'm normal. But Elijah said, just kill me. And isn't that funny? Can you just imagine God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit in heaven when Elijah prayed that? Because Elijah's the one guy that doesn't die, right? God, like him and Enoch. Like God takes Elijah through a chariot of fire into heaven. Can you imagine when Elijah said, just kill me? Jesus says, oh, funny. We have another plan. Like the one guy. (laughs) Can you imagine that? (laughs) It's amazing. Even when God doesn't answer our prayers the way that we want to. Know that he can be trusted to have better plans for you. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I love you. You know that I love you. But this is hard. This hurts. But I learned that you can be trusted. That I can come before you with all of my wounds, all of my hurts, all of my misunderstandings. I've learned that you have a plan, even when it feels like you don't have a plan. Even when I feel neglected, abandoned, And like I don't have your attention, I've learned. I'm in the middle of your perfect will. 
and you're good and faithful. So we turn to you, Father God, and we say that we trust you. Teach us to trust you. And I pray, God, whisper to your people right now. Speak, God, to your people. Encounter them where they're at. Some of us may be running away. Some of us may be in a cave. God, would you right there just reach, Father God, in the name of Jesus, reach, Lord. If the altar workers could help me by joining me here at the altar. Thank you, Lord. Just, just want to take a time to pray. And, you know, here at The Rock, we believe that where two or three are gathered in prayer, that their God is, where two or three are in agreement and pray in the name of Jesus according to the will of God that it will be done. So we just want to come in agreement with you. Maybe you need prayer today. And you're saying today, you know what? God has been trying to get my attention. There's many things that God has done. And I can look back and realize, man, God has been faithful, but I've not responded to his call. But today I want to respond. And I want to say yes to the Lord. If that's you, would you come up to the altar today? We'd just love to partner with you and pray with you that's your heart and you're saying you know today I make a commitment to say yes to the Lord to allow him to lead me to deal with me to heal me he's done powerful things and I want to respond in obedience or maybe you're here today and you're saying you know there are some things I need to unpack before the Lord I've been dealing with some great disappointments and I thought number one it was irreverent for me to bring it up to him that I couldn't bring it up to him and I'd didn't really know that he would want to meet me there in that place. If you're in that place where you're saying, I'm willing to take a step of faith, say, Lord, I want to come before you. Teach me to trust you with my disappointments. If that's you, would you come to the altar right now? Let's pray. We love to pray with you. We love to pray with you. We love to pray with you to come up. Maybe the Lord has not answered your prayers the way that you want him to. Maybe you thought that he just forgotten you. You can come to him with your disappointments. We love to pray with you. Man, the altar's open. If in any way, shape, or form you need prayer, we'd love to partner with you. Would you come up? Well, let me close in prayer then. Father, thank you for your great love. Thank you for your great grace over your people. Thank you that you can be trusted. I bless your people and I declare over them that you will complete the work that you've begun in them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Have a great day.